Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So today is Dhammapada 16. And I'm just going to start with John's introduction. The 16th chapter of the Dhammapada is the Piyavaga, as with all of the Pali language and an inflected language, context and intent must be understood in order to interpret the text accurately. PM literally means to hold dear. We hold dear that which we have an affection for. Seeing the context of the Buddha's Dhamma, the root cause of affection or holding on an object dear is desire or craving. The Piyavaga teaches the hurtful results of unskillful desire rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths and the liberation from stress and suffering developed through the skillful desire or true affection or holding dear the Buddhist Dhamma. The Piyavaga, skillful desire. Entangled with what is not their task, ignoring what is their task, having dismissed the goal of understanding to grasp after what is desired, the fool envies the wise who followed the Dhamma. So I summarize that by saying, remain disentangled with the world by continuing to cultivate skillful desire. Don't make anything the focus of desire. Clinging and craving is part of the nature of mind. So if you recognize that you want something or that there's desire in the mind, no problem. Watch the desire rise and pass away. Just recognize that you want something and come back to the breath. So you don't have to make yourself stop wanting it just have to recognize that you do want it. You don't have to not desire, you just have to not follow the object of your desire and not identify with desiring and not attach your story of happiness to whatever it is that you're desiring in this moment. Buddha's words. It is always painful to be separated from what is desired. No bonds are found for one who has overcome craving. From what is desired is born grief. From what is desired is born fear. Released from desire, there is no grief. Released from desire, there is no fear. Attachment brings grief. Attachment brings fear. Free of attachment grief and fear cease. Lust brings grief. Lust brings fear. Free of craving, grief and fear cease. 
People hold dear the disciple who has established virtue and skillful insight, who has realized the truth and does what must be done. The disciple intent on release dwells in profound wisdom, free of all sense desires. This Dhamma practitioner is in the stream of my Dhamma. When a person returns after a long absence, family and friends welcome them home. In the same manner, the disciples' own good deeds welcome them, having left the world behind. So that's the end. So this is really spelling out the reasons why we want to release ourselves from desire, craving, and clinging. And it's not so much giving us the procedure of how to do that, but it's implying that we need to abandon desire, which is different than squashing it or suppressing it. When desire is present, use the Eightfold Path and your practice to avoid further identifying with the object of your desire. Use the four foundations of mindfulness to bring focus back to observing the breath, thoughts, feelings, and state of mind with respect to desire. Desire will pass away on its own. Um, so I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but as I study the Dharma, like there's times when certain little, I always call them nuggets or whatever, some teaching is resonating with me in the moment. I think lately, Zachary, that's been like the second arrow. Heard you bring that up a few times. And it's sort of like that one thing that you keep seeing, you keep recognizing, you keep understanding and integrating. So that for me lately has been the, the middle way, which is the, the way between extreme views of thinking. Extreme views of thinking is what causes tension in the mind. And so when I reread this sutta, I was like recognizing how I would in the past, read it as desire bad. You know, I have to get rid of desire, have to like not have desire. Desire is a bad thing. And it's not that easy. It's not like, okay, he's not saying desire is bad. He's just saying, recognize how desire really truly affect your overall mindfulness. Because when we're going through our day super fast, fix, change, solve, achieve, gather, get, cross things off lists, do this, do that. That's all practicing following an object of desire. So then when something comes up that we're actually you know, trying to plan a vacation. 
that same mechanism can kind of take over those plans and you start to identify what the outcome of the vacation and you get distracted by needing to make sure things turn out a particular way, very specifically. And um, that's horrible. It's <laughs> miserable. <laughs> yeah, lately I've noticed that planning a trip, man. Woo! It's like, why am I checking, making lists about lists? <laughs> I can't, you know, I cannot control this much. And then you stop and go. something different might happen something else could arise and that's okay let's just yeah exactly <laughs> experience this moment right now of excitement about a trip that you're going on or whatever it is because this moment is your life that's right right so gotta bring it back now Bring back my point. Desires are fine if they occur, if they arise, recognize them as just desires. Don't identify with them. Don't chase after them. Don't hold them in mind. Bring yourself back to the breath and the body. Also, if you recognize desire, you don't have to squash it. You don't have to make it go away. You don't have to make yourself stop thinking about whatever it is you desire. That doesn't work. That's like, don't think about the white bear. You'll just think about the white bear. So, and this, this goes back to to this teaching in terms of understanding what the Buddha is saying, what he's not saying. Recognize how desire affects your mind. Do that by holding in mind the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, wiser strength, cultivating a calm mind, the middle way, the second arrow. When you give yourself something to think about, make it the Dhamma. That's how you let go of desire. That's bringing into mind what it is you need to be thinking about, not trying to make yourself not think about something. Mm. You have to give the mind something to think about. And that is this gentle eightfold path. Kind of all over the place, but I think I made my point. Yeah, one of the first lines there where he talks, where he says, um, when the disciple uh, forgets that the goal is to understand suffering. Mm. <clears throat> the fool forgets that. The fool forgets. Yeah. 
and that's where you know you're if you're when you're off the DAO you forget that this this is where where he started out. I want to understand this this suffering. <clears throat> In the end, the, the Dharma is always comes back to that. We want to understand. We don't squash it. We don't want to right. celebrate it. We just want to understand it. Right. It, it allows you to put down that burden of giving things up. Mm, squashing. And I can't have this joy or this love or this moment. It just means that. I don't have to have that attachment. Right. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have that pretty sunrise. Mm. You're just not going to demand that. Insist. Any different than what happens. And a cloud goes by and it ruins it. Well, right. It's real. Yeah. So again, it's that burden, putting, letting go of the burden. Yeah. Um, can you guys hear online? Yeah, you can hear. Did you hear Ram and, and David? Very cool. All right, let's go. Should we go online? Should we go around the room? Let's go online first. That's what everybody does. Dr. Kevin, good morning. It's nice to see your face. Good morning. Thanks, Jan. That was great teaching. This is a, you know, it's these. Uh, the diamond five that has these short mm. verses and they're just so packed with everything. So it's great that you brought out so many different points and it actually it just prepares us for the retreat, you know, because you're looking yeah. forward to the April path. Yep. Um, and it, it, the one thing, you know, it is really, the, uh, really for me about the second noble truth about craving and how craving initiates Dukkha, and that eventually, hopefully, will you hope to cease craving? Hmm. So, yeah. 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 So, Thank you. Hi, Samantha. I am not John Haspel. I'm Jen. I forgot to change my name on there. It's <laughs> all good, Jen. It's all good. This is really great. Thank you so much. I uh, I took a lot of notes that don't attach happiness to the item you desire. Like yeah. you're still going to have the desire. That's we're human, right? And, mm -hmm. and it definitely applies to all of the things. But one of the things you said, you know, is the outcomes of, um, you know, having that desire towards outcomes um, and making the list and checking and, and all of that. And you still want those things, but not attaching your happiness to them, being able to right. take a step back. Very, very meaningful to me. So yeah. thank you so much. Jen. Good. Very I'm good. Thank you. <clears throat> nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> Brian. Hi, friend. Thank you. Um, you know, the, the, the Buddha never went into good and bad. Right. He tried to stay out of those, that dichotomy. What he did, what he did say was split or bifurcate between skillful and unskillful. And the same goes for desire, right? You, you have to have some level of desire to develop a skill in the first place. Mm-hmm. And being thoughtful and mindful around that desire to make it skillful and cultivate that yeah. enables the development of the right or the eightfold path in the first place. 
Mm-hmm. Without that skillful desire, you're not going to make progress. And then, you know, all that other stuff holds true, right? You still can't attach to that and identify with that. Yeah. Another aspect of being skillful about what you're trying to develop in the first place um, really came through. So thank you. Thanks for saying that. I'm I'm taking that in. Yeah. Yep. I'm learning a lot today, y'all. <laughs> All right. Does anybody in the room mind being on camera? I do. Okay. I got you. <laughs> Let's go with David. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mary. I guess the, um, the subtleness of sometimes what's being said, you know, we use the word understanding, but it's, it's a special kind of understanding. It's a, um, knowing something and being able to recognize when you're in unskillful mm-hmm. desire mm-hmm. It's, uh, and being able to un- slow everything down in yeah. order to understand that in a moment where you might be uh, being unskillful and that just by the very nature of recognizing it and understanding it, you can be quiet in that moment and not be unskillful until you can figure out how to be skillful yeah. in that moment. And I think that's part of the journey and the learning and the true understanding because then the next time you're in a moment and you see unskillful or you experience that you're having unskillful desire, you can um, you can it's like being kind to your brain and shift over on that continuum to something that is skillful and experience and understand what that means. And Mm. then it's not, like you said, it's not about squashing this unskillful thing over here. It's about experiencing what skillful living means and what it's like. And I don't think I always understood that. Like for me to not do something was to squash it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push it down or just not let anybody else know I'm doing it. Just appear to not be doing uh, it at all. Right, yes, right. yes. <laughs> it's kind of a step in the right direction, but <laughs> you can get stuck there for a long time. Pretty sure. Oh. <laughs> um, and that comes back to you know living an authentic life. Right. But I think the understanding is what is the difference between trying to suppress it and then the understanding causes the. Uh, letting go of the burden, the reduction of the, just the, if you think, of, if you think about unskillful is like carrying big bags of weight on your back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Skillful is not having big bags of weight on your back. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's the desired position. So thank you. For your thank teaching. you. That was great. Um, mom back there. <laughs> 
Thanks, Jen. That was, of course, that was excellent. But uh, this <laughs> you is have you say. have to say. I really uh, found when I read this, when I reread it, that I was having I was having trouble with it um, until I came and listened to you, because what really hit me was. I was I was in that spot where I thought I have to crush it. Mm -hmm. And what what hit me is skillful and unskillful desire. Of course, I knew when I thought about crushing it that that's not desire is going. It must occur. Right. It has to be there. But skillful and unskillful is uh, what hit me as a way to think about it and as a way to be with it and stay on the path with it. Um, and when you said, give the mind something, something, something to think about, and that is the Eightfold Path. So when you recognize that you're in that space of becoming entangled with your desire, identifying with your desire. If you can just have the presence of mind to just do a little teeny bit of a switch to that, to that middle way. Um, that's what really, really came through to me. And uh, I think Brian <clears throat> on that and of course, Mary did. And thank you both, Brian and Mary, and Jen, for the great teaching. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Let's see if I can get this. There we go. Adam and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was great. Thank you. Uh, there's something you said early in the in the sutta that caught my mind um, about not only not identifying with the object of your desire, but not identifying with the feeling of desire itself. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some, you know, a little nuance in there. Mm -hmm. um, because like, as you've all been saying, that, that desire is going to arise regardless. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of like a, because that's going to arise regardless and grabs different objects to kind of, right. um, you know, that they're what sort of pushing the dukkha a little bit. Um, but I think maintaining an awareness of not identifying either with that thing itself or the feeling that you get from it yeah. Um, yeah. is is a key part of, um, you know, not not identifying with, with not letting that desire bring you down. Mm -hmm. Not just the object itself, but the feeling you get from yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's speaking to like the four foundations of mindfulness. Like the per the whole point is arise thoughts arising and passing away feelings arising and passing away right. overall state of mind arising and passing away. So you just allow it to arise and pass away. You don't grab onto it and go, right. And I, I need more of this or less of it. You said was, you know, coming back to the Dhamma, you know, that's, yeah. that's a, the thing that, you know, brings yourself back to that is, a good, a skillful thing to this. Yeah, right, right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yay. I learned a lot today, too. John? 
Thank you, Jen. You're on camera. That was another um, well prepared, as you always are, um, and really incredibly nuanced presentation of this really short chapter. Uh, you, you brought out you know, the essence of it as shown by our discussion so far. The, um, and we're all touching on the same theme that begins with the word pia or piam, uh, meaning skillful desire for holding dear the Dhamma. Mm -hmm. So that skillful desire that we have in this moment as I find myself caught up in desire, in sensual desire, mm -hmm. is to remember how much I hold in here the Dhamma. And that allows me to immediately return to it instead of having some kind of psychological struggle between good and bad and all oh, my desire is evil. I'm, I'm a mess. I can't do this. What's wrong mm -hmm. with me? Mm -hmm. You hold dear the Dhamma. And that's how we make things gentle. I was thinking about it just Mother's Day, you know, I now I hold dear the Dhamma like I hold dear my mother. Mm. You know, even though she's been dead 20 years now, that that dearness is still there with me. Mm -hmm. And the Dhamma, I can because of how it because it's true, right? A mother's love is true. Mm -hmm. Because it's true, I can immediately turn back to it. It has a um, there's there's skill in doing that because of what I gained from it by holding in dear these simple teachings. And that's Pia Vaga, and that's what it means. Hold in dear the Dhamma for what it brings us. Mm. It, it brings us peace and calm, it brings us understanding in a world that is just as crazy now as it's ever been. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it works. I, every one of us that's here would agree with that. Why not hold it dear? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, and it's as gentle as my mother used to be. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you want to hold dear the Dhamma. Just hold that dear. You don't need to hold anything else dear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then everything else is dear because it doesn't, we're not putting any other condition quality on it. So right. What's occurring. Right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jen. Um, Thank you, Sandra. Zach. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the teaching. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, I appreciate the nuance that you pulled out of this one because when I first read it and reread it, <laughs> I, I don't think I appreciated what was you know, the nature of, of the teaching. I want to just ask a question, which is um, when we say don't identify mm. with being relatively new. I just want to yeah. make sure I understand what everyone means, means here when but, say that. Because I think I have my own idea about idea it. Idea of what that means, but in the in the in the context of the teachings. Um yeah. stand by. <laughs> so yeah. So self I guess the the better phrasing would be to self-identify with what was it desire or to i make around desire so is i making something you're familiar with mm -hmm. yeah so um sort of building the story of me and using that desire to build that story of me 
of mine. This is my desire. I need that thing in order for to be happy. I need that thing in order to be calm and at peace. I need that thing in order to survive or whatever it is. Achieve. Achieve. I need to build my, myself up. Or, or that getting that thing will make me a better whatever. Um, and that's something that as, you know, it, it kind of has to, you experience it in real time. But when you've been coming to class, you know, th- something will happen, it'll come up and, and your mind will have enough calmness to it it'll be supple enough. You'll have enough space to be able to see in the moment. Oh, wow. Look at how I'm using that thing to define myself. And that's not helping me. In fact, it's causing me to, it's actually, but it's so subtle that we'd like skip over it. Is that making sense? Absolutely. Does it align with what you're? It does. And I'm just, all right, cool. Helpful to make sure that that's, Anybody want to add anything? Yeah, when we identify with any object, event, viewer, idea, Mm -hmm. that's eye making and it's going to cause stress. And we do that, and the most subtle ways that we do that is we evaluate everything that occurs each and every moment. We are compulsed to do this as human beings. We're we're conditioned to always be vigilant of putting my judgment on what's occurring. And as soon as I do that, I've colored it. I've taken the reality out of this moment, so it's going to cause stress. When I hold dear the Dhamma and realize that I don't have to do that with anything because it's not me, it has nothing to do with me, it's simply what's occurring. It might be here for me to be a part of tonight's concert, for instance. You know, that's I'm going to be there. I don't have to be judging every person's face or how everybody's dressed or anything. I just am present for it. But as soon as I start coloring this moment by my judgment, I like this, I don't like this, it should be this way, they should be that way, you should be Mm -hmm. different. Now I've lost my mind and I've lost this moment. But when I hold dear the Dhamma in this moment, what is the Dhamma telling me in this moment? Each and every moment, each and every thought, every thought, word, and idea, every event that occurs is not me, it's not mine, it's not what I am. What does that leave me at? Like that can seem like that's um, initially that can seem like it's almost a void, it's vacant of the self. But what you're left with is the realization of what it means to be a human being, right? <laughs> a not- human being, not not that's it. Here it is in this moment. Whether I'm taking my first breath, my last breath, or all the breaths in between. This is the moment for me to live my life. And there is no other moment. And if I start identifying with this moment, start judging it or coloring it in any way, I think we can see I've lost this moment. I lost the reality of this moment. And so it's prone to stress. And the reality, the unreality is the disease, the diseased mind is that self-identification because it's not rooted in reality. Does that help, Zach? Wow, that was great. Write that down. Oh, yeah. The other term is sometimes not taking things personally. Yeah, that that term is the one that always works the best for me. 
even not taking desire personally. Yeah. For some for some people, there's different terms that it just brings my mind to the right spot, not yeah. taking it personally. You can't have ownership. You can't take it personal because it's impermanent. Right. And as soon as you think that it could be permanent, it will be painful. Yeah. That's that's what mm -hmm. this is not me. This is not mm -hmm. this is, that's what that's you have to then continue saying because this isn't permanent. Without that, then it's just something out of the refrigerator, but attached to this yep. impermanence and understanding of that, that's the that's the insight. Yeah, and pain becomes very um, pernicious in that I, it, it, a thought of self-identification compels itself to keep recreating that self-identification, even though the event has passed. And that's the subtle thing that we now call stress that we found is so debilitating just in a physical way to people. We carry those kind of things around that, that uh, concretize self-identification with things that we drag around and, and it starts defining us as human beings. Um, and we can see that that even leads into uh, certain forms of mental illness even that we, we, can, we can identify that symptomatically. Uh, and when we start undoing that process by holding dear the Dhamma and not me, 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 instead of me, 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 it's, this is not me. This is not me. This is liberation from that I make. It's such a great question that he asked that when he gets to the heart of the Dhamma. It also shows that, and one of the reasons why we hold classes like this is just to this comes out in the song. You're heading in the right direction. Thank you all. Thank you. Cool. Bridget. Thank you for the teaching, Jen. <laughs> That's great. Um, I think for me, what kind of resonates with me and kind of helped me almost put a framework around some things that I've been experiencing that have been <laughs> just so wonderful. This past uh, couple of weeks, I've noticed desire come up. I haven't really been thinking of it as like desire, but my brain says, go, get, must have, you know, <laughs> need, want, you know, <laughs> and I notice in my mind, you want that for an eye-making purpose. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, so am I going to do it anyway? <laughs> am I going to let it go? <laughs> and I feel myself weigh it against the benefit I've been receiving from the Dhamma mm -hmm. and the joy and the, the lightness and mm -hmm. how I see it benefiting my family. And I think I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> so most of the time, <laughs> I let the thing go. Sometimes, especially if it's something small, like a habit or something, mm -hmm. I will go for it anyway. And it disappoints me. Mm. And then instead of going, that means I'm not a Dhamma practitioner. Mm. You can't go to something, but you can't, you know, <laughs> that's it. You stink at this. <laughs> I just say, 
okay, you did that. And I feel like that's like, brings me back to the middle way. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to the point of it's the awareness that matters yeah. in that whole experience. Yeah, yeah. So like, it doesn't matter that it's I did not, it anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's still full. All I did was create a little bit of suffering for myself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you if you catch that, if you recognize it. Right. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. It does yes. matter if you don't. Yeah. Because yeah. then, yeah. then there's some consequences. Yeah. yeah. But it's like in that moment, I can just let it go and say, okay, you did that. Yeah. Now, next time, hopefully, you're going to you know, apply the Dharma more skillfully and you won't do it again, but you don't have to create a whole thing about it because then you're still just doing yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then bigger things like the situation in life that, you know, like put all this effort into and it's not turning out the way I would like. Mm-hmm. And I just keep reminding myself, okay, this isn't turning out the way that you would like. It's temporary. You know, have looked through orders <laughs> you will skillfully hopefully find a way to maybe reduce the situation but it's just happening that's yeah. all that's it doesn't have anything to do with who i am i'm not you know something negative like a failure or you know this doesn't mean anything about oh the whole rest of everything is ruined yeah you know, it's yeah. just what's happening and I'm able to navigate it somewhat more skillfully than I ever could have imagined, <laughs> which is like, I almost feel a little bit silly being as joyful as I am. <laughs> because I'm like, and I mean, like, you know, there's times where stress gets me and like, you know, I had a big cry yesterday morning because it was just a stressful week. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. It was a feeling like, there's suffering dukkha occurs yeah. it's okay that i recognize that this isn't going well but i actually still had a good week i enjoyed my children i enjoyed the weather i enjoyed yeah. my meditations yeah. i enjoyed so many friendships and other <clears throat> things so just because this one thing is exactly the way i wanted it to be yeah like, i'm just not having this whole big thing about it and i feel myself kind of like hitting that middle way with it yeah like i'll ping a little over here and start to get really freaked out and i'll ping a little over here but then the dhamma just kind of moves me back Mm -hmm. and i feel released and you're able to notice what you're enjoying about your life yeah because you're present for it yeah Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good life isn't it it is yeah 991 (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you um julia okay <laughs> i wasn't sure if it was julia or julia i'm jen nice to, meet nice to meet you i've seen you once before but i don't know actually yeah yeah i'm gonna take noble silence this has been really really great cool Thank you, everyone. good thank you oh rom you're already on camera oh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you Mr. Uh, just a, a good sangha yeah what was that last line from there again? Stand by. In the same manner, the disciples' own good deeds welcome them, having left the world behind. One before that? Yeah, no, that, that's the one. Okay. <clears throat> I find that uh, I remember struggling with that one. Um, in the past 
but I'm getting it a bit clearer on it now. Um, <clears throat> when you when you get it right, when you are in the Dharma, um, you get into this kind of positive feedback loop mm. because you're getting it right. In the, the, the Buddhist version of, of karma takes over. Mm. Now, the what you've done previously, the way you are in the Dharma, brings its own reward. Mm. And you do that by leaving the attachment to the world behind. Mm -hmm. so, I, I, I kind of I was puzzling over it because it, it's um, it's kind of an afterthought to the whole to the mm -hmm. whole chapter, but it's also summarizing what he's teaching there. Yeah, it's it's um. If you hold dear to Dhamma, you will leave the world. Behind. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. And it's and it's a self uh, self propagating thing. Yeah. The, the the reward is is there immediate. It's karma and the disciples' the own good deeds them. welcome them. So the own good deeds is engaging in the Dhamma, yeah. mm -hmm. is choosing the Dhamma over. It's affirming. Yeah, not yeah. Your, that your own good deeds will welcome you home. You do it. Yeah. You bring yourself back to this mm -hmm. place, of, which is really just nice. Yeah. I think for me, too, is like, I think, again, it's like the way I'm reading that is I have to leave the world behind before. I, but no, it's engaging in the Dhamma will leave the world behind yeah and the dharma plays out where yeah. 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 while well, we're in the world mm. it, it's not it's not an escape and it's not a, it's not an aversion yeah yeah in fact what i found is it's it's a deep immersion into my life that i've never had before it's really the opposite of what i used to do when i blasted myself with drugs and alcohol and other things you know sex and food and sports and anything else and now it's just this moment mm. doesn't need to be any different but what a wonderful bunch of moments you, you inspired you again. yay You're here. <laughs> thanks everybody all right um let's finish with the karaniyam and the sutta <clears throat> unless anybody has anybody else have any Oh, Zach, no, go There's the last line, and there's a line prior, which is about being welcomed back by family and friends. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that is that in support of the the sentiment? Like, are those related? Or I couldn't tell if that was contrast. Oh no, that's definitely uh, it's it's a standard setup. Yeah, uh, because uh, when he's uh, the last line begins with in the same way. In the mm -hmm. same way. Okay. It's, it's like a metaphor. Well, yeah, that's like a simile. That it's, it's both a metaphor and a description of what happened to Siddhartha Gautama. He left his palace, he left his father, he left his family. And six years later, they welcomed him back mm. with a clear mind, an awakened mind. And he was able to relate to them from that perspective, from, from that awakened quality of mind. Mm. 
So it, it's but it's a reality to it too. It's not just mm -hmm. a metaphor. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Um Metasutta. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding by not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, abandons ignorance of four noble truths. Thank you. Great class, more everyone. More Ann's uh, polyphony concert tonight at 7.30 in Princeton, dinner at Yaya Noodles at uh, 5.45. See you all there. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.